Welcome back to episode number 249 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety, entries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're discussing flameless venting and in particular, flameless venting efficiency and what its importance is. And we're doing that with Dimitrios Kakogiannis, Explosion Protection Application Scientist from Fike Europe. Dimitrios, welcome to the Dust Safety Science Podcast today. Thank you for having me, Chris. I'm really excited for this interview, and that's probably the last time I'll try to say Dr. This will be the last time I try to say Dr. Kako Giannis's last name, because that's a, a tongue twister for a Native American <laughs> English speaker. We're super excited to have, have them on the podcast today. We're talking about a topic here, flameless venting. This is something that's Demetrius will tell us has been an active area of research within the exposure protection community over the last number of years. You had it presented on at our dust safety conference last year on, on some of the preliminary research in that area, some of the way insurance is looking at this, some of the way that the exposure protection manufacturers like are looking at it as well. And it's probably a topic we'll likely have covered this year, the Global Dust Safety Conference as well, which we will have in the last week of February, and that will be at dustsafetyconference.com. Dimitrios has a master's degree in the universe, from the University of Patras, a PhD in engineering from Frey University in Brussels. Uh, several years experience with the Royal, Ta- Royal Military Academy in Belgium, working explosion, blast, impact on structures, and over five years experience with Spike Europe in this explosion protection application scientist role. We're going to talk through what is flameless venting, what is flameless venting efficiency, what are some of the key factors involved, and what should we start to be asking our explosion protection manufacturers and what should end users and consultants be starting to think about and ask their suppliers about in this area which is really important moving forward. So Demetrios, I think by this point in the podcast, everybody is wondering what explosion protection application scientists might be. So can we start by just going through what your role is in industry and what kind of work you do today? Uh, yes. Uh, I participate in the initiation of activities at FIKE. One of my main responsibilities is securing European certification for FIKE's products or ATEC certification. I actively contribute to creating and revising European harmonized standards, combined with the fact I'm working on the European certification. And I also develop and maintain the explosion protection guidelines for the application of our products. So these are some of the main tasks that an explosion protection application scientist does at FIKE. Yeah, thank you for that. So you've been with, with FIKE Europe in this role for five years. Um, to kind of lay some groundwork on the flameless venting side of things, how long have you been working on testing and understanding flameless venting? Since uh, three years, I would say. It's a work of three years. Three years. Doing testing and uh, modeling at the same time. Yeah, I'm super excited. This is an important concept. I mean, the idea of flameless venting really isn't, might be old, I guess, but its application has really picked up, I'd say, over the last four or five years. And like other types of explosion protection solutions, maybe flat valves and others, there are new things coming to light as we, as we start to use these, as we start to do more testing, as we start to understand the testing. And that's really what we're talking about today. We're going to talk through what is flameless venting, what is venting efficiency, and what should we think about here. So I think to get things started, the audience would be pretty familiar with flameless venting, but can you just give us a basics? What is it? And then why is it important in explosion protection? What kind of areas will we see these type of applications being used? It's a type of venting system that is comprised of a vent panel and a flame filter. And when might people be looking at using it? Creating a flame towards the outside. With conventional venting, we would have combustion 
and burning particles, a cloud of burning particles and a flame front would escape on the outside of the vessel. With the flameless venting, we block Its advantages is that we have increased safety. So since there is no flame, there is no risk of fire spreading. Damage in general is reduced uh, to the equipment and the surroundings. And we could classify it as an environmentally friendly because it uses the, the gases particulate into the environment during an explosion. It is used in the process that involves poten- potentially explosive dusts. And way, let's to maintain a safe working environment, one of the ways, of the many ways. In general, it sounds simple as a concept, but in reality, behind the functioning of flameless venting is hidden a very, very complex problem. I will describe it by using a quote from a journal paper entitled Flameless Venting of Dust Explosions, Testing and Modeling. It's a very interesting paper, um, and I recommend it uh, to the audience. And it says, the flameless venting device does not behave as a standard vent. There is a highly complicated fluid mechanics problem of the fluid particle flow passing through a porous media, which in that case is the filter, uh, which passing surface is progressively reduced. And we can understand it later on in the podcast. Yeah, thank you for that summary. And I'm going to summarize the how flameless vent works because my internet connection went a bit unstable. So I'm not 100% sure that the description that Demetrios gave um, is going to get covered. So I'll, I'll give a, a sort of summary of what I think he said. And then we did pick up for sure the advantages and some of the challenges too. So from my interpretation, and, and I'll get to Mitros, correct me where I'm wrong, a traditional vent, uh, and you may have just said this, but I lost you. <laughs> so I'm going to summarize. A traditional vent is, is a panel that once the deflagration pressure rises above a, a certain threshold, it would open and you'd have a release of the, the pressure, the flow, that would protect the vessel, keep the pressure down below a protective amount. For a flameless vent, it's the same thing, except behind that vent panel then would be a mesh. That mesh can capture the particulate matter, can also quench the flame that would be ejected, and it still reduce the pressure in the vessel, but it contains that, that flame, that hot particulate matter from coming out. Um, and the reason that that's a, an advantage is if you have that vessel, say a dust collector indoors, flame getting quenched, then you can put that in different areas that may be populated, where with the, the system where it's just an open vent, you can't do that. Uh, you need to put that outdoors or, or have ducting or some way to safely eject that hot flame, the hot gases, and the particulate matter. The interesting part that I picked up from you, Dimitros, is that the, the physics of that system is totally different than traditional venting. <laughs> so traditional venting is just a hole and stuff's being you know pressurized coming out of it. You could think of maybe squeezing a tube of toothpaste or something. But for flameless venting, you're actually forcing all that material through a mesh. So it's a multi-phase flow through a mesh. Um, there would usually be some sort of either curvature, depending on the configuration of the flameless vent, or there may be uh, different types of ways to do flameless venting. But regardless, the whole process of flow in that system is just completely different. Um, and I think that's what you mentioned that you, you have been looking into with your work. Did I give at least a half good summary of, of flameless venting versus a more traditional venting message? It was exactly Dimitrios? as you described it. Uh... Good. You, we may have that choice on the podcast, which is fine. The team may edit this part out too. We'll see what they come up with. But I did lose Demetrios. They can leave it in as well. And hopefully the audience finds the recap helpful. Anything you want to add there, Demetrios, before we start talking about venting efficiency and, and, and what comes into play there? It is exactly as you described it before. Should I jump to efficiency? 
Yeah, let's do that. Let's. So I think the audience now is a good idea of what traditional venting looks like, flameless venting looks like. What's this new thing we're talking about here, this flameless venting efficiency? Where does that come into play? Let's discuss first efficiency in venting. What is it? It's the ratio between the effective venting area and the physical vent area. In the mind of people, I, I would like to, to have in our mind that we have the ideal vent, which is a massless blockage of all on the vessel. When we have the combustion, this uh, blockage magically disappears and there is venting in process. And then once we place a vent, this is not ideal. So we have a membrane, a metallic membrane, usually with a mass that has to open. So it's less efficient than an ideal situation. So the ratio between the, the, the two areas is the efficiency. For flameless venting, it's slightly different. Even though in the current EN standard, the 16009, it can be implied that the flameless venting system could be consider, considered as functioning like vents. It's not. So uh, when using a flameless vent, the combustion is proceed to a much longer extent inside the vessel. So the physics of the explosion is different. And in the same standard, it is stated that the efficiency of the flameless venting device can be influenced by the burning properties of the combustible dust and the physical properties of it. So I don't know if it's clear. It is implied in a way that flameless venting efficiency, it's not venting efficiency. It should not be confused because flameless venting efficiency varies. It's not one number. For the vents, we have one number. For the flameless venting, we cannot have a single number that describes its performance of how much it blocks uh, during an explosion. And it depends on the particle size distribution. So if we have a coarse or a fine dust, it's going to clog the filter differently. Uh, it depends on the dust morphology. If we have a fibrous dust or melting dust, again, the blockage time while the combustion happens, uh, it will happen in a different way. It will happen faster or slower. The dust concentration, of course, it plays a role. It depends on how much dust we have present because this will burn, part of it will burn during a combustion and it will particles will be pushed, burned and unburned through again. Uh, the maximum flame length. So if we have an elongated vessel and we have flameless venting at the end and ignition at the beginning of it, all the dust will be consumed by the flame front and will be pushed violently through the mesh. If the flameless venting device would be closer to the ignition point, the phenomena would be different. So again, clogging plays a role. And the final thing that matters is the maximum volume. Each device has a mesh that can quench a fixed amount of energy and the volume is linked to that. So uh, we can consider that the volume contains an amount of energy uh, that is hidden in the dispersed dust. I hope uh, we can have a kind yeah. of uh, understanding of... This is the description of flameless venting efficiency. It varies with clogging while we have the combustion in the vessel. So with time, it reduces efficiency. It's not one number, you see? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I'll do a bit of a summary to make sure I got it right here. But I think what I'm hearing is Vent efficiency in general. So let's talk about just traditional vents. We'd love to think that the 
when the explosion happens at time zero, <laughs> the hole magically appears in the side of the box. <laughs> and that would give you your, your ideal vent area needed to keep the pressure below the P-red target for that vessel. That's the ideal case. That's not what happens, right? The vent that you place on there has a, an activation pressure, has mass. It may not be a vent panel. If you had explosion doors, say, they need to swing open. Gases need to be released. There's a bunch of different configuration things that would go into how that vent's set up that would make the area that you actually need to apply bigger than that ideal case. I think I did that right. Bigger, yeah, it has to be bigger than the ideal case. So the actual physical vent area that you would need is bigger than ideal that ideal scenario. Flameless vents sort of first started, we'll say, under ideal conditions, you might just assume, hey, they're the same type of considerations for vent area or vent efficiency rather than traditional vents. And in some cases, maybe they do, but in others, they don't. They have, in addition to those considerations with traditional vents, they actually are a function of the material that you're venting because you have to force that material through the mesh. And you mentioned some of the parameters, the particle size of that material. For instance, if the particle size was, if there are particles that are bigger than the, than the, the screen on the mesh, well, those are obviously not going to get through the mesh. If it was all bigger than the screen in the mesh, I assume your efficient venting efficiency would be zero or infinite, depending on which one's on the bottom. So the particle size matters, the shape, if they're long needles, they have less likely to get through that mesh, the concentration, and then some really interesting things about the explosion physics come into play. Like if you have the elongated vessel, you have this long flame they need to get through. Or if you have a big vessel, then you have a lot of energy that needs to be released through this mesh. Uh, and I'm sure that this is one that came to light later in the design stages once people started melting more of these meshes and realizing, oh, forcing, I don't know, 100 million of these hot particles through that mesh takes requires a lot more energy consumption than forcing 20,000 hot particles through the mesh. And the mesh needs to be built in a way that it can withstand that energy transfer without clogging or, or melting at the end of the day. Um, so that's the second piece is we have vent efficiency from just vent mechanics, but because of flameless venting, because you're forcing that dust through the mesh, you also have additional flameless venting efficiencies that come in that are a function of the material that you're using. Is that, is that a decent summary of, of what you yes, covered? Indeed. And so it sounds complicated and, and it probably is. You know, we talked about some of the key factors then. What are some of the best practices for maximizing eventing efficiency? And then I want to kind of turn our attention to, okay, well, what can, you know, what are exposure protection providers trying to do to understand this? And then what should people be asking about their flameless vents and making sure they're going to work? So let's talk best practices first. How do we go about then maximizing flameless venting efficiency? From a manufacturer's perspective and the plant owner perspective. So I will start from the manufacturer's perspective. Efficiency can be maximized by optimizing the filter. And the challenge for the manufacturer is to keep a balance between porosity, quenching ability, dust spectrum, how much, what kind of dust do you want to protect? And of course, the cost. It's very hard to, to address all applications with just one design. Uh, so you require, if you, I will make it a little bit more simple. If you allow too many particles to go through, you're going to have better efficiency. But there is the risk that the flameless venting will not be as quenching capable, flame quenching capable. So flame might escape on the outside. Another risk to consider when designing a flameless venting device is that if you make it 
very strict, it's going to clog very fast. So you need a larger mesh area. So you need to keep a kind of a balance between too many parameters as a manufacturer. From a owner perspective, uh, of someone who wants to, to, to install flameless venting devices in the workplace, they need to have a very good knowledge of the process. They need to know dust concentrations. They need to know what is happening as much as possible. Sometimes it's not easy, but the more information that we have on the process, the better, the more accurate is going to be the design for the flameless venting solution. Uh, very often consulting services are required in order to know how to optimize in general explosion protection solutions. So the more insights we have, the more targeted would be the solution and the efficiency will be more accurately calculated, especially when we take into account the, the factors that we discussed before. So if someone estimates efficiency by taking into account the five bullet points, the five factors that we discussed before, we're going to have uh, less conservative designs. So that would be a way to improve, let's say, efficiency in practice. It makes sense to me. And I'll, I'll tell a story here to kind of put it in perspective on, on why I think this is important. So really, there's a couple of failure modes for a flameless vent. There's one that you mentioned, a flame gets through. And that's that's of one level of severity. It might be quite severe depending on where you placed it. And very often you're using flameless vents so you can have people in that area. So a flame getting through is, is quite severe. That's one failure mode. The other type of failure modes you'll see if a flame, if that are more typical to just undersizing a vessel is that the vessel will rupture because you didn't relieve that pressure fast enough. Sometimes that can cause the sidewall containing the vent to shear off and fall down. Sometimes that can cause rupture of the wherever the weakest seam is in that, that vessel, very, very often the roof, um, but it can be other cases too. I've seen cases where you've seen flame or you've seen traditional vents intact and the wall of the things fallen over because the whole walls act as a vent and and uh, maybe the vents were screwed over or something. So that's another failure mode. The other the third failure mode is the flameless vent shoots off. Um, I've seen a couple of videos of this at testing labs, not on closer to camera on sites, but where you're testing a flameless vent under extreme conditions and the thing shoots off into, into space, not into space, but you know, into the test target area. And all those are bad news because the reason you're using flameless vent is so that you can put that dust collector or whatever the equipment is in a populated area. And that's why it's important to start to get, you know, to get these things understood and correct. Uh, I heard you talk through manufacturing, but maybe I will stop there. I wasn't going to ask you what the failure modes are. <laughs> but do you have anything to add to these type of ways that a flame, it, when a flame is bent, might fail? I mean, you've seen a lot of these different shots, I guess. You probably know better, yes. a lot better than I do. Are those some of the ways that, you, some of the reasons that's important to get this right? And is there anything else to think about there? I could give some bad scenarios. So scenario number one I mentioned is I'm escaping on the outside. Uh, more or less, I think someone can find the designs, the different designs that they are out there by Googling flameless venting devices. So we have a casing that is holding the, the mesh. Uh, one common failure mode is to have the location of the mesh and then flame escaping on the outside. And of course, if there are people within the zone of where the area has to be protected, someone can get injured. The other case, which is the more severe, and it's linked to efficiency calculations, is that if you think, if someone thinks that 
their device has a higher efficiency and in reality it clogs faster, it means that it will have lower efficiency, period can increase in the vessel, and the whole casing of the flameless venting device can break and become projectiles. Yeah, I've seen a couple of videos yes, of that. This is, a, a, this is the most severe case. With the first case, you can have someone injured, but the risk is not as high as in the second case. In the second case, the pieces of the casing are kind of heavy, and after a combustion of a dust, they can move fast. They can move really fast. So with inertia, they can become very dangerous projectiles. It's all pieces of iron. There is nothing lightweight. So yeah, it is linked to the efficiency estimation. This is the thing. This is the danger. Like That's why I said before, we cannot have one number to accompany the device. We need to have a range of efficiencies and we need to have as many information as possible about the process. Otherwise, we need to consider the worst case scenario. Maximum dust concentration, very coarse particles, the maximum flame length, for example. It really depends. What is the, so kind of two parts to this question. What does the certification look like these for, for these right now? And then what are suppliers providing? Like, is it, you can use it for food dust, but not metal dust. And you can use it between these dust concentrations and these type of particles. And then the, the user or the consultant or the designer is really meant to work within those cases. I assume that must be kind of what it is, but maybe talk about that a bit. And then how does the certification process caught up to that? Is that what required today? I don't know. I, I'm not well aware enough in the space what, what people are doing. But yeah, kind of walk us through how a user or a consultant or somebody who's designing, explosion protection designing individual knows if they're within parameters for these type of events. In the recent years, starting from 2020, 2021, we had the first journal paper that summarizes and describes clearly the problem. The journal paper that I referred before, it's called Flameless Venting of Dust Explosion, Testing and Modeling. It is published in the Journal of Loss Prevention in the Process Industries. First journal paper that addresses clearly the issue of efficiency. For that, the whole world was considering that there is one efficiency number that accompanies the device. So before that paper, certific the certification process, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about the ATEX, uh, within the ATEX, the European certification, uh, within the ATEX zone, was that they were testing closed vessels and they were using the lowest efficiency number to describe the device. In some cases, they described the number of dusts that they were used. In some cases, no. The EN standard is not explicit about the process. It doesn't give a very clear description of how it needs to be done. Despite that, there are notified bodies out there that recently they have uh, working into that direction. So they don't really provide one number for the device, essentially the lowest efficiency number that they measure from the series of tests. They provide the description, how many dust they tested, the range of particle sizes, the range of dust concentrations. But this has started in the recent years. There are not many manufacturers that they have this type of certificate yet out there. Also, the I'm, I, I think that the EN standard will change soon. I don't know how soon it, this will happen. The committee is under, uh, has the, the findings under discussion right now. The certification process is changing now, let's say. We are now in, the, in this 
transitional period where some manufacturers they will give one number because the device is old and it has it has been certified some years ago. Uh, some others they made the decision to take into account uh, the fact we discussed, and FIKE is one of them. So they have a description of what the device does, let's say. Does that make sense? Yeah, and the, it does. And the accurate description of what the device does, but also then the parameters in which you should be using that device to, to avoid some of these scenarios. I, it makes sense to me. And I think over the years ahead, we'll see innovations in testing, innovations in understanding, hopefully some innovations in computer modeling, which you and I talked about before the podcast. We both have backgrounds in that area quite extensively that can help support some of this stuff as well. So that's why we want to get on the podcast today. Not all the answers are here yet. Um, there are lots of tests. We did pull that paper. And just to confirm, Dimitros, is that the paper by Jigori, um, Lepret, and Proust that you were talking about, flameless venting of dust explosions, testing, and modeling? Uh, yes, actually, this comes out of a test house uh, from Ineris that they are also notified by the providing certificate. So if someone would go for a certificate through Ineris, would have to take into account all the, the factors that we discussed before for efficiency. They, they adopted, let's say, the modern way, the, the recent way of certifying flameless venting devices, encouraging manufacturers to have a description of the device all the possible conditions that they want to test it for. Yeah, that's tremendously helpful. And, and I think this is something we'll probably have to have on the podcast six months from now and another year from now, another 18 months from now. And then maybe we're squared away a bit and we're, at a, we're starting to get out of the cycle of some of the old systems um, being certified and maybe some of the other notification bodies coming on and using the newer standard test methods. But we want to get over here in the podcast today just to kind of let people know this is where the state of the art is at for flameless venting understand some of the science. I know Mike does a ton of work in this area. We had Jim Vingerhoots on way out back in episode 84 of the podcast, talking about explosion isolation flat valves and some of the recent test results there. Um, we had Jim and Bruce on in episode 108, talking about their talking about the Fike dual flap isolation valve. A ton of testing and experience goes into play here. And you can even tell by the fact that we have their explosion protection application scientists on here <laughs> that Fike takes it seriously. I'm not sure all companies... I, Many of the, the large providers in the space would have some sort of research arm to be looking at the stuff and understanding it. Then, you know, other, other ones don't. So it just shows the commitment to fight to being able to push the science forward. I'm understanding, you know, what's going on here, make sure it's safe systems getting put in place. And we'll be right here along the way trying to share over the community what does this mean, what's happening, and trying to put it into a framework which people can understand. I think that framework today is. Talk to your exposure protection provider, ask them about this stuff. Try to understand whether or not they're using the old certification scheme that just has a single number for venting efficiency, or if they're using the newer certification schemes that have um, you know, a range of numbers depending on the possible parameters that you're looking at. At the end of the day, you're going to need to see what that means for your exposure protection plan. If that's going to need, mean more vent areas needed, or it might even mean that the, you know, if you did a cost analysis, the cost of change and flameless venting it might be better to look at a different option. But those things you're going to have to work out with your provider and your consultant at the end of the day. Um, Dimitros, fascinating conversation. I appreciate, uh, I probably said this on the podcast more, but I like people that blow stuff up <laughs> because they know what, what happens. Um, so I, I appreciate your work in this area tremendously, pushing the, the science forward. 
any final words on this topic before we close out uh, for the podcast today? Well, I would say what explosion these experts, users need to be reminded is that behind the functioning of flameless venting devices is hidden complex problem, a fluid particle flow with heat transfer that happens within milliseconds. The application of such a device to mitigate an explosion requires more information than traditional venting. And now a more general statement is that the AP community should be an inquiry community and we should keep learning from each other. And I would like to thank you once more for having me. This philosophy is reflected in dustsafetyscience.com. And I very much appreciate the work that you do all these years. Well, thank you so much, Demetrius. And I'm, I'm sure this will not be the last time we have you on the podcast talking about this and other topics. So I look forward to the chance to talk again. I'll be very happy. Okay, thank you. We'll talk soon. We'll talk again. Thank you, Chris. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Dr. Demetrios Kakogiannis, explosion protection application scientist with Bike Europe, and he's based out of Belgium. We're talking about what is flameless venting efficiency and why is it important? And it's a really interesting topic here. We're talking through really what's kind of at the novel and cutting edge for explosion protection in terms of the application of the different protection methods involved. And we talked a bit about what Demetrius' role is within Bike as a application scientist there. We talked through what is the difference between traditional venting and flameless venting, both the, the mechanism, you know, moving from ejecting the flame, the particle matter, the hot gases, directly out of the vent as being the way to lower the pressure below the P-RED in the, the protected vessel through to capturing those hot gases, particles, flames um, into a mesh, which would be your flameless venting. And you'd want to do this because that allows you to then have that vessel stay indoors, allows you to have you know, less interaction between the vessel beside it. There's a number of design considerations that might make that an attractive thing. Uh, but there's also another, you know, another side and lots of things come into play here. So we have this concept of venting efficiency, which traditionally looked at the physical mechanisms of the vent, like its mass, its weight, you know, how it opens, the, the, set, the set conditions in which it opens. And that's going to change your ideal vent area that you get from a hand calculation or a, a calculation of vent area to what you actually need to install on the device. And what wasn't realized maybe at the very start of flameless venting was you have those considerations, but you also have considerations with the actual material and the process that's in operation. So if they're long, sticky, plastic resin, that's going to react differently than really fine talcum powder or really fine, we'll say, powdered sugar. Actually, that might melt as well. But some other type of small particle that doesn't melt, it's going to react a lot differently than that, that plastic material. And it's also a factor of concentration and how big the vessel is, and how hot those particles are going to be, and how much of them you have to push through the mesh. Because you can imagine you're pushing uh, more hot particles through the mesh or less hot particles through the mesh. That governs how much mesh you need there to be able to get that heat out before things start to um, react in, on, you know, in a way that doesn't release the, the pressures. So there's a lot of considerations there. We talked through them. Dimitros gave a really good overview of how that works. And um, then talked about what manufacturers are doing to understand this and also what some of the notified bodies are doing to understand this in terms of moving from one number as a vent efficiency to having a range of numbers depending on the application, depending on the particles that are under consideration, depending on the materials involved. And we left off with some kind of some questions that people should be asking their protection providers, be a consultant or explosion protection, the person that's doing the design work on some of these systems. Um, start to discuss with your providers what type of testing they're doing, what type of certifications they're doing, and whether or not you're operating within the parameters that are being set here. 
Uh, it is a new area. Well, flame cementing is not necessarily a new area anymore, but this level of understanding of it is new. And I'm expecting we have this conversation 12 months from now. There will be new things coming to play. And we just want to get this on the podcast today to talk about what is the current status. We really hadn't had an update since our conference last year. So that's it for the episode. If you have any questions for Dimitros, we'll have a way to contact him in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 249 for this episode. I encourage you to reach out and, and ask any questions that uh, that he might be able to answer there. And I want to thank them for coming on the podcast today um, and, and talking about this. So as always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Oh, we have a safe and productive week ahead. I appreciate everything you're doing. The industry's handling combustible dust. Make them safer with the work that you're doing out there every day. Keep it up.